Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Switch Leader Podcast. My name is Josh Baldwin. I'll be your host. I'm here again with my friend, James Meehan. James, you having a good week? Josh, I'm having a wonderful week. The place I am recording this podcast from has windows, so I can see outside. Man, windows are great. They are great. everybody listening that right now you're working and you don't have windows, I'm so sorry. Take a walk for lunch. Make sure you get some vitamin D. It's important. Amen. Hey, so this week, this week, we're gonna have a good conversation about navigating conflict. I know that probably actually the majority of people would say, I hate conflict. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's not unhealthy to not want to have conflict. Like it's, I'd say it's a good thing that you don't love it. However, it's really important to not avoid it. It's really important that we know how to handle it because as we also know, conflict is kind of just a part of life. Hopefully you've been around uh, and lived long enough to know that conflict is unavoidable. As followers of Jesus, though, it's something that we want to make sure that we handle with love and with grace and also with wisdom. And so this week, that will be the basis of our conversation. James, how can we handle conflict well? That's a great question, Josh. And together, we're going to answer it. Before we get into that, though, here's the thing. As a switch leader, You have a unique opportunity and responsibility to show your students how to navigate conflict in a healthy way. Most of us do not like engaging in difficult situations, especially when it may cost us a relationship. And so we often are not fans of conflict. Because of that, we rarely engage in conflict. Because of that, we're often bad at engaging in conflict in a healthy way. And so it usually turns out poorly. As a leader, though, at a young age, you can help your students learn how to navigate it well, and that will be a skill they will use for the rest of their lives. So what we want to talk about is not necessarily how you navigate conflict with a student that you're having an issue with, but more so, how do you help your students that are in conflict with each other navigate that? Or how do you help a student navigate conflict they might be having with their parent? Or how do you help one of your students navigate conflict with a friend that's not a part of our church? Because all of those scenarios are real and they are frequent. And as a leader, you can bring wisdom to that situation. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, the apostle Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So as we walk through this conversation, we're going to do it in three parts. Part one, what are the common causes of conflict? Part two, how do most people respond to conflict? And then part three, how do we respond well and help our students walk through it in a way that is healthy? So starting out with the common causes of conflict. I'm going to say a word and then Josh, I just want you to respond with a thought. Common cause of conflict number one, change. Really, really hard. Nobody likes change, (laughs) it seems. And so since they don't like change. Right. Common cause number two, perceived unfairness. Don't be so mean to me. Why are you doing this? That's what comes to mind. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Common cause number three, gossip. Oh, man, I can't say the first thing that came to mind. Um, Was it seventh grade girls? That is actually, I was going to (laughs) say girls, but seventh grade girls is more specific. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Common cause of conflict number four, personality differences. 
seems unavoidable. Really Amen. seems unavoidable. That's going to happen. That's why Josh and I are always in conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Common cause of conflict number five, stress. Oh, that stresses me out. I mean, yep. really just think, you know, thinking about it. Right. I mean, really just think does. about in your personal life, when you are stressed, you tend to be a little bit shorter and harsher with yep. the people you care about. And then you Common, stress them out. Right. And yeah. it just makes it worse. Common cause of conflict number six, miscommunication. Marriage? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. Six common causes of conflict. We're just throwing those out because those things are causes of conflict for us as adults yep. and for our students. Now, they may look a little bit different, but the causes are often similar. So that's the first part. Now, let's talk about the three ways that leaders can respond to conflict. There's avoiding it. There's trying to control it. And then there's engaging with it. Avoiding is self-explanatory. It's You just don't engage at all. You pretend it's not there. You try to sweep it under the rug. And the problem is, the problem is still there. Yep. Controlling it is when you try to take over too much to where you're trying to control the student A and student B. You're trying to control the outcome, the attitudes, every word that is spoken. And then what ends up happening is they just get really ticked off and maybe they will like go through the motions of saying they're sorry and that they're going to be better, but they don't actually mean it because it wasn't a choice they made on their own. Right. And approach number three is to engage. It's where you as a leader step in appropriately and equip and empower the students to work through the conflict on their own with your help so that they can actually be satisfied with the conclusion they come to. Every single one of us has a way of engaging with conflict that we gravitate to naturally, and very few of us naturally gravitate towards engagement. For me, my natural tendency is to engage. Nope, that's the opposite of what I just said. My natural tendency is to control. <laughs> I'm sorry, forgive me. That was miscommunication. Hopefully that doesn't create conflict between us. My natural tendency is to control. Like I want to jump in deal with it immediately, make sure everybody's happy, we've got a great outcome, and it's awesome. But because I control too much, it doesn't actually usually work out well. And then when it doesn't work out well, I think, well, that sucks. Next time, I'll just avoid. Because if stepping into it in a controlling way didn't work, then I just won't step into it at all. And so then I just have this like ping pong effect of going from one extreme right. to the other. And very rarely do I actually land in the middle. Josh, what do you typically do? You know, it's really interesting. I, as I've gotten older and as my kids have gotten older and like play sports. And so I'm in more communities of adults. I have realized how few adults know how to handle conflict. And Bro, I used to think, yeah, I used to think it was that they were just scared to handle the conflict. And in time, what I've realized is that it's not even an option in most people's mind that like when something happens, all they know to do is talk to somebody else about it. It's right. like it's like it was they literally never considered I should probably just pick up the phone and call the person I am in conflict with. And unfortunately, when we live our lives that way, we give our our students the same example. I when I like capacity students, student leaders. So students who are kind of the core of our ministry, I really challenge to this often. 
there was a kid in my ministry. Her name is Megan. She is on staff at Life Church now. When she was a kid, she used to come to me and say, hey, so this is going on in our group. And I just thought you needed to know. And I'd say, man, that's really good. How are you going to fix that? And she'd be like, I knew you were going to say that. And so what we would do is we would sit down and we would talk about an appropriate way to address the situation with the person that we were talking about. And we would talk about how to do it with grace and love and respect, but how we don't avoid those situations. And now as an adult, she doesn't avoid handling those conflicting situations because as a kid, she was given lots of reps. I hate, I actually really don't like conflict. So I, I hate it, but I actually hate it so much that I can't let it go. So That's good. some people are like, man, I hate conflict. And I'm like, then why do you live in it? I'm like, well, Dang. if you hate conflict, <laughs> why do you live in conflict? Like, I, I don't know how you could hate something, but let it fester and be like, man, I hate it so much, but it stays under that rug. And so instead of saying, man, I hate it, well, great, then deal with it today so it's done tomorrow. Come I can't on. think of how many people I know who have lost friendships because they were unwilling to deal with conflict. It's and really good. we often think of conflict as like this big, scary, bad thing, when in reality, conflict can actually be your greatest opportunity. Amen. And it's important that our students understand. And, and instead of continuing to be like, hey, I, I don't like this person, so I'm just going to avoid them. And I approach them and say, hey, man, you hurt my feelings when you said this. Why did you say that to me? Then oftentimes that person ends up being my best friend. Yeah. My, my son, Sam, had it when he, he's in third grade. He just finished third grade. A kid that he did not get along with, was he felt like was a bully to him at the beginning of the year, is now his best friend. Come on, <laughs> and like. And it happened because we forced them to deal with the conflict. And it's yeah. important that we, that we have students do the same. What I love about that example you gave with Megan when she was a student is avoiding it would have been hearing what she had to say and doing nothing about it. Controlling it would have been hearing what she had to say and you going to the group and solving all of the problems for them. Right. But what you did was you engaged. You equipped her and empowered her to navigate the conflict so that now as a grown woman, she knows how to navigate conflict wisely. And the reason why most grown adults don't know how to do that is because they never practiced it when they were younger with somebody to coach and mentor them along the way. So what we right. want to do now is give you kind of like four steps on how to navigate conflict well as a leader and how you can equip and empower your students to navigate it in a healthy way. The four steps are an acronym, GROW, G-R-O-W. And this is actually what we use to train Life Church staff members on how to navigate conflict. So G-R-O-W, starting with the first G, goal. What is the goal? So in that scenario where a student comes to you and says, hey, here's this problem that's going on, start by helping them identify the goal. You're helping them answer the question, what do you want to be true on the other side of this? And you can literally just ask that question. Hey, what do you want to be true on the other side of this conflict? Start with the goal. Help them to define it. Secondly, help them establish reality. You've got the goal and then reality. Like what's actually going on? Now, oftentimes in these conversations, when a student or somebody else comes to you, like emotions can be pretty high. And when emotions are high, wisdom is often low. 
So as a leader, it is your responsibility to de-escalate the situation so that wisdom can win the day. The calmer person always wins out in these situations. Calm is contagious and so is chaos. <laughs> so you bring calm and that will eventually seep into the other people that you're interacting with. Help them identify what is real, what is really going on. So when that other person said that to you, how did it make you feel? Okay, so then like, what did you mean when you said that? How, how did you perceive their intentions when they did that thing? Okay, so like, what do you want to see happen now? What about that situation was most important to you? Like you are asking questions to help them get a clearer picture of reality by navigating through the emotion in the moment so they can see things more clearly. First, you help them establish the goal. Second, you help them identify reality. Third, you help them identify the options. So like based on where we are right now, what options are available that can help us get where we want to go? More often than not, they will think the options are either super extreme or they do not exist. And so for you as a leader, one of the best things you can do is help them think beyond their limited perspective with those options. So most people tend to think, well, I've either got to solve it all right now or I need to ditch these people altogether. Like it either needs to go perfectly the way that I want it to or there is no hope for this relationship to continue so I got to cut these toxic people out of my life. Those extremes are not helpful. And so what you can do as a leader is help them see that there is a better option, that it's possible to solve the problem and still maintain the relationships. Conflict creates chaotic thinking and chaotic thinking is dramatic. And That's so good. when when you find yourself in this in this middle of this, man, I have this conflict and I'm trying to figure out how to resolve it especially as a teenager, it is almost impossible for you to see beyond the most dramatic outcomes without someone helping usher you to, to reality. I have an 11 year old that he loves to go to the dramatic outcomes. And I'll have to say, son, I want you to repeat back to me what you just said. Does that really sound like the only possible outcome? <laughs> And he'll say, and now it's to the point he'll go, no, that was dramatic because he's <laughs> beginning to recognize, okay, there has to be other outcomes and I'm smart enough. God put enough in me that I can resolve this problem. I just have to think about another way around it. There has to be more outcomes than what I'm currently thinking. And as a leader, that's a part of your role is helping them see the other outcomes. Amen. So first, start with the goal. Second, help them identify reality. Third, expand their view of the options. And then fourth, lay out what's next. Figure out where do we go from here? So we know what the goal is. We know what is real. We've talked through our options. So which option are we going to activate on? What are we going to do now to move toward the goal? If you've been in most professional working environments, you've probably heard people talk about ending meetings by defining who does what by when. That's what you're doing here at the end of this conversation. Who does what by when? So whose responsibility is it to then go and have whatever conversation 
with other people and what's the time frame. And that time frame thing is so important. And one of the things that I will often do with students is when they come to me with something that's pretty significant or heavy, and I know I now need to tell their parents, I will give that student a period of time to tell the parent first, because it's always better coming from them. But if they don't do it by that time frame, I will reach out to the parents. So I will right. let them know, hey, based off what you told me, I actually have a responsibility to make sure your parents are aware. I think it would be much better coming from you. Are you up for that? And, and, and sometimes they might say no, and I'll try to coach and encourage them until that no becomes a yes. I'll help them think through the options of what that looks like, and I'll let them know, okay, cool. So if you don't have that conversation in the next three days, then I'm going to call your parents. I'm going to have it with them. If it's more severe, it might be like, hey, if you don't have that conversation by like 8 p.m. tonight, I'm going to call your parents. Like it, it depends on the severity, how long the timeline is, but you give them a time frame to have the conversation in because if you don't, sometimes they just never end up having it and they need a little bit of that pressure to prompt them to take the action that is needed so they can navigate the conflict and find peace on the other side of it. As a switch leader, you have a unique opportunity and responsibility to show your students how to navigate conflict in a healthy way. The best thing you can do is not to control, not to avoid, but to engage in the situation by equipping and empowering your student to grow through the conflict, to define the goal, figure out what's real, see the options, and define what is next so that you can all move forward together to a better outcome. So good. You want to help your students get ahead. You want to help your own kids get ahead. You want to help them be set apart from many others around them. Help them learn how to handle conflict well. Help them learn how to be possibly the only person in their group of friends that is capable of handling conflict in a healthy way. So glad that you all tuned in this week. So glad that you care enough to listen to the Switch Leader Podcast. As always, thanks for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. <laughs>